A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Hey, welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hi, this is Ken, also known as Rice Cube on Twitter with the World Series Dreaming. And with me is Cubs superfan and friend of the blog, Paul, also known as Crawley. You might have seen him around on Twitter or at the convention or pretty much always at the ballpark. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know, I'm down in Miami, um, here for opening day. Uh, so I've kind of made a nice little Florida trip. I was at the games at Port Myers and now here in Miami. So it's a blast to be somewhere that's not cold and baseball started. So I'm happy. Yep. And you're at somewhere where there's a roof if you need it. So the lucky thing is with the Cubs, like usually there's like the off day after the opening day or a rain out on the first day and then you got to make it up the second day, but, uh, you don't have that, uh, today. Or to this weekend, so that's really nice for us. Yeah, fans. you know, the nice thing too is, you know, it was a retractable roof, so the uh, roof of the stadium was open today. So kind of just got some nice sunshine and just kind of relaxing, and and it and it felt like a nice summer day, and you know, rather than uh, the end of March, you know. Yeah. So I, I guess we could get your impressions of uh, baseball in Florida, and you know, just our impressions, uh, me on TV and you uh, actually at the ballpark of the Cubs opening day exploits. And uh, then our Cubs superstar, Anthony Rizzo, said a few things that may, you know, resonate with some folks, may kind of rub people the wrong way, but figure we might talk about that too. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good to me. As the spring gave away to summer, that's the ivy colored dreams toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. Right. So yeah, you uh you drove to from Chicago to Miami. Yeah, we drove from Chicago to Fort Myers and uh the Fort La- the Fort Myers area and so we caught I was able to catch you Darvishes uh against the uh Red Sox the other day. So that was a really nice ballpark, about 10,000 people, and they have the green wall, the green monster and everything. So that was kind of fun to see that. Mm-hmm. And now we've traveled over to the other side of the peninsula, so we are now at uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so Fort Myers is on the west side, and uh, Miami, or where the Marlins play, is legitimately Fort Lauderdale. So that's on the east side of the Florida Wang, I guess you could call it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've, you know, obviously we've all missed baseball when it's gone for some of us, you know, who aren't as into say the other sports, you know, you wait around and now we're finally here. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So Miami wise, is it 
anything like the show that we grew up with in the 80s or, you know, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, or is that just an embellishment? <laughs> uh, you know, I really enjoyed the park, I'll tell you what, man. You know, it, it's it's not Wrigley. You know, you don't have the old-time feel to it. It's um, They got the DJ spinning it, and, they, you know, they got loud noises the whole time and all that. But they're still, you know, it's, it's just a different experience. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's not fun, you know. So they have um, they have a bar there that's called the Clevelander, which is kind of like this, like mm. I don't know, kind of cheesy, like you like almost like a Miami Vice type club. And they have a pool in there, and you can actually see, you know, the game from there. And it's it's just a it's a mellow vibe, but it's it's also kind of like just like a fun. I could do with a little less sound and a little less DJing, but in general, it was a good time. Yeah. So I. I'm interested in that name, the Clevelander, because I think uh, right before they shipped him off for, you know, pennies on the dollar, uh, Giancarlo Stanton actually hit a home run into that bar, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, it takes a while. It, it, it's a little way out there, but, uh, you know, they have some lounge chairs in there, and they got a bar in there, and they got, like I said, the pool there and, and tables and an outdoor patio. But, yeah, Giancarlo, yeah. He hit one there, and he's now hitting them for the Yankees, right? Two days. Yeah, I think he got two today. That's pretty crazy. Like you know, they, it's not as cavernous up in New Yankee Stadium. Or actually, I think he was in Tampa. To be honest, I think they opened on the road in Tampa, so uh, that's also a cavern. But in New Yankee Stadium, I think he's going to have a fun time with Aaron Judge. But uh, the question I had to ask you is, uh, you got a bleachers ticket because I think you wanted to see the home run sculpture, and thankfully it didn't go off for the Cubs today. But uh, do you actually get, like, free reign throughout the bleachers section? Can you go through the ballpark as well, or is it just um, bleachers only? The bleachers are assigned seats, so different from Wrigley in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, so they're, they're assigned seats. So we were in the left field bleachers, but you could, you know, you could walk around and kind of just it, – it, there's a plenty of empty seats there, which, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's kind of like I said, too bad. It's not it, – it, what like I said, honestly, if I lived in Florida, I'd be coming to the ball game. you know. I know they don't have a lot to look forward to, and Jeter's really kind of stripped it down to nothing, but – you know, there it, it, you can walk around and you can definitely check out from left field to right field, but it, it is assigned seating. Okay, and you're not allowed to go into the bowl section if you wanted to, just like in Wrigley, or how's that work? No, you can. Uh, you have to have tickets to go down. Gotcha. And if you're in the bleachers, does that mean like anybody in the bleacher section can get into the pool, or is that an additional ticket? The pool, no, the pool, the Clevelander is like downstairs, so it's kind of like below the bleachers. And so you can actually see the guys warming up in the bullpen. It's almost, they have that clear glass, which I remember that was the idea for Wrigley too. And they always kept the, the blinds down last year, but mm-hmm. yeah, you, you can see the, you can see the Cubs bullpen for sure down there. And then it's kind of underneath. So, I mean, if you're not really, if the game maybe isn't that great or you're kind of just, you know, just wanting to just chill out, have a drink. You can, it's, it's an interesting way to see a ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's say you're MLB and you're the commissioner. Like, I I know people keep saying that Miami's probably not a good market for baseball, and they keep having their fire sales and everything. But I feel like, considering how many kids play baseball in Florida, how many transplants, 
go to baseball games in Florida. There's a market there. It's just that they need like a an actual product to sell to people so that they would drop their money on said product, right? Well, I think you really kind of hit upon the point there that every time you seem to have something, they 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 just do this fire sale, and it you know we we in Chicago have now gotten spoiled where we have these guys that we know the Russells, the Schwarbers, the Rizzos, the Bryants, you know, and every time it seems like you know Miami kind of gets started on something, they just kind of just let everything go to waste for some odd reason, you know this, you know what happened with. Um, the pitcher that they lost that passed away, you know, that was just a tragedy. But, you know, you look at the players they got rid of, they had a pretty darn good team. Yeah. And, uh, like, their payroll wasn't that high either. And it just – it's kind of upsetting because they spent so much to buy the team. And now it almost seems like they have no money left, and that's why they had to cut payroll. Or maybe that was part of the plan all along. They just want to be profitable at the expense of winning, which I guess if you were a business owner and you were a baseball team owner, you would want to be profitable for sure because that's not just your side hobby. That's not just like you know another boat that you buy. That's something that you want to use to continue accumulating wealth. So I guess I understand it from that standpoint, but I, I, I guess, but you have to, to me, like, you know, like why get rid of Andre Dawson and some of the other guys were, you know, like the legacy guys had there, you know, that yeah. Andre Dawson just got back with the Cubs is that deeper call these guys that you gotta, I mean, I can't, I don't know. Obviously it's not our money, but definitely they weren't probably getting paid all that much money. You know, it's like almost like the Cubs would be firing Billy Williams or something, you know? Yeah. There, there, there really is no point to that. And so you want to try to create some sort of legacy and some sort of, you know, role models for the kids and for the guy that grew up cheering for this team. And now you kind of shoot all those guys away. Yeah. It, it kind of doesn't make sense, but, you know, the commissioner is – an owner's commissioner, basically, he's going to support their plan no matter what, as long as they turn a profit and they don't run to a foul of the players' union. And, you know, the players' union has their own set of issues, but we can <laughs> deal with that on on another time. But, yeah, I'm glad you had a really good experience. Maybe tomorrow, if the Cubs have, like, a 10-run lead, you can see if they'll actually turn on the home run sculpture. Because I heard that Lewis Brinson, who they got – and the yellow trade from Milwaukee, he homered in an exhibition game before you you showed up, and they didn't even turn on the sculpture. So I guess they're they're about ready to, you know, turn it to pasture. I don't know. I guess Jeter doesn't like it too much, you know. So it, it's uh, either that or they're saving on the electric bill on that one. I've, I I I don't like. I said I don't understand when 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 Theo and Tom Ricketts came in. You know, they they were very straightforward with what their plan was, and you saw a clear path. You know, nothing yeah. could p- prepare you for the success that they had, but at least you kind of had some faith. I just – I don't know what faith the uh, Marlins fans have right now or what they have to look forward to. Yeah, and I think uh, they they also kind of yelled at Jeter during their town hall meeting uh, in the winter, and now Marlins, man – probably isn't going to be Marlins man anymore because he tried to drop like a quarter million dollars on season tickets and they wouldn't take his deal. So I was just like, what? (laughs) That's money right there so that you can, you know, do your thing. And it's like kind of ridiculous that somebody 
actually has that kind of money that he wants to light on fire. But still, like, that's a lot of money for one of your most ardent fans, and you're not taking it. And just their business model or whatever it is they're doing just simply does not make sense. Right, right. Yeah, so we'll see. Like I said, I feel bad. For, like, like, you know, all these people, you know, you got Elmora and Rizzo and all these people from Florida, all these kids that, you know, came up playing. I think Bias was too, yeah. you know. So it's 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 just kind of baffling that they can't really enjoy the product that they have on the field here. Yeah. But uh, now uh, it sounds like Marlins man is a free agent because uh, it sounded like he, he – Either he or the team actually tried to set up like a Mr. Tiger's promotion because uh, I, I forgot exactly what happened, but I, I heard that the Detroit Tigers actually reached out to Marlins man so that he could like don their garb instead of his ridiculous orange outfit. And uh, then, you know, we were joking about, hey, you know, he, he might have to fight Ronnie Wulu to become Mr. Cubs. Uh, well, like he's, he's not taking up. Yeah. We also have pink hat guys, so I mean, I don't know. <laughs> there there are plenty Yeah, there are plenty of Marlins men uh type people uh, uh for the Cubs including like, you know, the the nice lady who who sits on the dugout. Uh what's her name? Dorothy? Her name's Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothy's yeah. a great lady. I've had the pleasure of doing some Jaeger shots with her. <laughs> and uh Yeah. You know, she can drink uh, probably most 21-year-olds under the table for sure. I would believe that. Uh, she's lived a long time, so she could probably do whatever she wants at that point. I want to say she's uh, 92 right now. Okay, well, another n- young lady who got to see one before she died. Yeah, she's she's a great lady, and she, I can't wait to see her once. Uh, what do we got? Uh, not that much longer, about a little bit more for a week, right? Mm, yes. So April 9th, I believe, is when the Cubs will return to Wrigley. It's like the following Friday, I believe. It's Monday. So oh, you're right. It's Monday because Friday is the 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really, really long road trip. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I always kind of say, you would watch the Cubs win in 2016 – they also had a long road trip starting out west of Anaheim. And so, you know, when you have the, these miserable, you know, I, I'm, I haven't been up in Chicago in about a week. I'm sure the weather's not that nice there. But when you talk about the weather being as bad as it is up there, this is not conducive baseball or, or hitting or anything like that, you know. So it's kind of nice that they can kind of start out and get swinging and feeling confident early. Yeah, in a climate-controlled area. Are you, uh, perchance, going to the game tomorrow as well, or are you heading home? No, I'm going to be heading home. And we're going to hit the beach tomorrow, and then we're going to be back Saturday, and then I will be going up for the Milwaukee series and then back home for the home opener. Ah, sounds fun. All right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you take a look at the game today. You know, I was a little uh, disappointed in Johnny Lester. I don't know what happened today. He just didn't have any command. I, I think that was the deal. Like, I don't think he had dead arm or anything. He just couldn't uh, locate. And just yeah. like, hey, it's the Marlins. Why don't you just throw strikes and see what happens? Because, you know, like, they're technically a major league team, but they're not that good, you know? Right. You know, you're looking at a 4A team. And, you know, I know the Cubs had trouble last year with Urania. 
And when they put, you know, Urania, like you want to talk about no control, that first inning, he was just awful. And, they, you know, he was basically giving away runs there. And so, you know, obviously Ian Happ with the fun leadoff homer. But then after that, it was walks and hit by pitches. And, you know, he was just, like I said, giving away free runs. And so I figured, boy, you know, you, you got that lead. Just be aggressive. And, and these guys are, you know, there's no one on this Marlin team that really scares you. Yeah, I mean, guys like Justin Bohr do have power, and you saw Dietrich with his uh, opposite field triple, and, you know, like Kyle Schorber had his own issues on defense, but I feel like that's going to be more of a rarity than than something that we'll see every day because he's he's not going to be the best left fielder, but he's solid enough that you can you can just kind of sweep some of these things under the rug. Yeah, it was just like every ball that was hit to the outfield seemed like an adventure. And I think that had something to do with the roof being open and generating some kind of crosswind because the announcers were talking about that. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was it was definitely windy. We we could definitely feel it out there. But, um, you know, every time that Schwarber makes a mistake, and I know he made a couple today, and I'm not going to try to excuse it, but it always seems to just get magnified so much, you know, it's uh, – you know, he's 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 not going to be Jason Hayward in left field and as long as he's hitting home runs and driving in runs, you know what? I'm okay with it. It's one of the best left fielders or you know, one of the best hitters I ever saw was Manny Ramirez, you know, and he was awful in the field. Yeah. But he could play the ball pretty well off the monster. Like he, he was an expert at that even if he was an awful left fielder. So <laughs> there there are there are redeeming qualities that you can have. And, you know, as long as Schwarber keeps hitting those monstrous home runs, I think we'll just live with it. Yeah, you could tell with the wind today, it was, you weren't going to see too many home runs in uh, left. Uh, so that's where we were in the left field bleachers. So I, I want to say all the home runs today were hit into the right field bleachers. I believe you are correct. Like uh, Ian Haps was pretty much right down the line. So was Rizzo's and uh, Schwarber's, I think, was just to the right of center. Yeah, everything was kind of heading that way. So there's definitely kind of an, uh, a crosswind that was a little bit different. But you know, it was it was it was really um, you know emotion. You know, they started off with this cheesy uh, concert with what's his name and uh, DJ Khalid. DJ Khalid. Yeah, it was just oh god, that was awful. But then uh, you know the whole. Um, Stoneman Douglas, they were wearing the patch, and when Rizzo hit that home run and tapped his the the patch and pointed to the sky, you know it was a really you kind of wondered if he was really you know if something was going to happen, you know, and you know how baseball can have those magical moments, and when he hit that yeah. home run, definitely, definitely qualified for one of those special moments. Yeah, I think after the game, he said it was kind of an out-of-body experience, and I kind of joked that, well, the baseball itself had an out-of-body experience because it was so darn hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was nice. They wore the shirts in batting practice. Were you able to see them in batting practice, by the way? Yeah, we were, we saw batting practice, and I got some pretty good pictures out on uh, Twitter at Crawley's Cubs, and I'm going to put some more up later. I got a brand-new camera, so I took some pretty good pictures of – Everybody was wearing them on the field, and the one thing I noticed is that I guess Joe Madden didn't give a pep talk today or anything. You know, he always does that in spring training, mm -hmm. but I did notice him walking up to each and every player and kind of giving them a big hug and kind of giving them a couple words, and that was it. So, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, these guys know what time it is, you know, and what they got to do. And now it's just a matter of executing. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if they're going to have early season jitters, it might as well be against a team that they're going to beat anyway. And, you know, it was kind of a touch and go for a little bit, but I, I feel like you have enough faith in this particular lineup. Like, even when they were striking out, it took like several pitches, not just a three to strike them out. Uh, that bats were grinding. They took their walks. They took some painful hit by pitches, which was kind of annoying. And especially the one off Javi's hand and he turned out to be okay. Knock on wood. So uh, I haven't heard anything about that. So I assume they did their training thing and they did the x-rays if they had to, and he's probably fine. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see this entire lineup from one through eight. And then you got the pitcher who can scorch the ball every now and then like uh, both Lester and uh c actually had a couple of really hard hits. They just went right to people. Yeah. Unfortunately they made some good plays with me on them, but you know, when you talk about it, the bullpen was really nice to see today. You know, they really kind of picked Johnny up and uh, you know, you ended up having c you know, he got into into a little trouble, out of a little trouble, but you know Montgomery. Uh, God, if Justin Wilson could be something, that would you know, yeah, that that could really really mean something. So, and then Pedro Strope coming back out after you know he really had a really uh, an abbreviated spring training. So it was good to see the bullpen really really kind of hold things down. So let's ask you a quick question about this because uh, Montgomery came in for the ninth. That was a four-run lead, so that wasn't a safe situation. The Cubs are trying to save uh, Brandon Morrow's arm for, like, games that actually become safe situations. But then Montgomery hits the guy. You know, there's another guy on base. It's four-run lead. And then you see Morrow warming up anyway, and you're just like, well, if he's warming up anyway, why don't you just throw him in the game just to get his feet wet? Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, it's uh, you, you hope it's probably that you both can take close and out. Like I said, especially against the Marlins, and you know you didn't have to use him. He may have been warming up, then he sits back down. So if the situation rises tomorrow, you know you can you can bring him back in tomorrow. Or hopefully the Cubs kind of, you know, Ureña was the guy that worked me the most. I know the Cubs struggled with him last year. So there's really the rotation really worries you from here on out for the next three games. Yeah. You know, probably nobody. So you could easily just say, hey, you know, if the Cubs come out swinging, you don't really have to even worry about having more, maybe even pitch too many, you know, too much in the next couple of days. Right. And, uh, I think tomorrow the starter is a left-hander. I'll double-check on that, but we'll probably see a righty-heavy lineup. Today was the uh, against a right-handed pitcher lineup, and it seemed to work pretty well. Like, Hayward looked pretty good. Uh, even on that deep fly-out, he, he had a double. He scorched uh, a couple of balls pretty well. So I feel like, you know, yeah, he had a crappy spring, but there, there might be some good stuff coming from him. We just don't know yet because it's like a game out of 162. Right, and and you don't know what they're working on in spring training and, and, and all these different things. There's a lot of different factors. But, you know, I, I think that this lineup is really, you know, 
we'll see what Hap does. I know he hit that leadoff home run, but, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how he does. He had a really great spring. And then you can just, like I said, it's righty-lefty, righty-lefty that you kind of move down. I love the lineup. And I'm glad that Schwarber has the opportunity to hit with runners in front of him. I think that's, you know, just take the pressure off, especially after the disappointing start to the last season. So, you know, I really enjoyed the lineup. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm sure maybe Zobris gets in, you know, play a little uh, left field. Who knows? Yeah, so, so probably keep Happ in center field because they want to keep him happy. Uh, Elmora's in right, uh, Zobris in left, and they just load it up with the switch hitters and right-handers as much as they can. That, yeah. that sounds and, about you know, right. You know, and I think this is just a really diverse group that Joe has to work with more than he has in the past. So, you know, with the switch hitters and the righties and lefties, and I just think this team has a lot of depth to it. Yeah. And I'm re- re- really hoping to see that, you know, uh, how the Zobris experiment works out at first base or whether, you know, the choice of Caratini over Jimenez, you know, I feel like Rizzo's really kind of sometimes ties out at the end of the season, so I'm really hoping he gets a little bit more rest and they just give him an opportunity to, you know, be his best come October. Yeah, so with uh, all that versatility, like just about everybody can play outfield. Uh, You know, a couple of guys can play corner infield, including Caratini. Uh, You know, Brian could probably stand at first if you, you want him to and give Rizzo his days off, but I feel like these guys are gung-ho enough, like Wilson wants to play 130 games, and he probably will uh, unless the Cubs just say, you know what, you got to take a day off. And, you know, like everybody wants to play, but it's up to the organization to just say, like, for the good of the team and for the long-term outlook, you, you just got to sit down today and you can play tomorrow. <laughs> so Right. Yeah, and this and this we're we're looking at the long haul. You know, this is we're talking about three straight appearances in the NLCS. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a lot of uh, baseball. You know, that these guys, you know, considering how young they are too. You know, yeah, is that this is they came in and 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 just kind of took the baseball world by storm. So it, it'll be tricky to see how that all plays out, but. Like I said, the versatility of this team allows for Joe to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Did you enjoy the defensive plays towards the end of the game, like the two double plays that Addison Russell and Javi Baez turned? Oh, yeah. You know, you, you were, you know, it, we didn't really get to see a lot of that last year because of the injuries to um, to Russell and his throwing arms. So, you know, people kind of forget what a, what a dynamic infield that was, defensive infield that it was. So it, it's going to be fun to see those guys. I, I, I'm trying to think in my head when – the Cubs had as fun a uh, double play combo. I can't really, you know, maybe you're going back to Sean Dunstan and Ryan Sandberg. Yeah, probably. It's been a very long time since I've had as much fun with the Cubs infield as with this one. Like this group is set for several more years and I hope that they can extend a couple of them. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens, but right now, like 2018, it's looking pretty good. Like, uh, they're the favorites to win the central division. Uh, they they got pretty good odds to get to and possibly win the World Series. I know a lot of people like to pick, you know, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, and those are all legitimate picks. But if 
you know, push comes to shove, we're all rooting for the Cubs, and we know that the playoffs are a crapshoot, but, you know, they they have as good a chance as any team to get there. Yeah, you just, again, you just want to get there. You know, the Cardinals signed Greg Holland today, which I don't know what took them so long, but, you know, they signed him to what, a one-year deal? Yeah, $14 million. $14 million, not bad money if you can do it, but, um, you know, these, these – this is a interesting situation where the Cubs are the guys on top and they're going to have to keep defending their central title. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm not, I wonder, you know, I, I don't know. I was very confused by Milwaukee and St. Louis kind of standing pat for so long um, with a lot of the pitchers on the market with Holland on the market, you know, when Arietta was on the market, uh, you know, you just kind of sat there and you said, wow, you know, if Milwaukee, you got a small window on those type of teams, you got to go for it with St. Louis, you know, struggling as much as they have in the recent past, you know, or not struggling, but just, you know, watch, you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year and all the issues that they've had watching the Cubs with their success. I just thought they would be more active, especially after some of the early moves, you know? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, their losses, I guess, are gain, and the Cubs don't stand pat. Like, they sort of kind of stood pat in 2017, but now they're all in, and I think they're all in next year as well because they're going to – their plan is pretty pretty uh, evident. They want to stay under the luxury tax. They don't want to trigger, like, any, you know, draft penalties and stuff. They're going to blow – this year uh, with their with their international signings and their draft, and then next year when hopefully they're able to court uh, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, like they'll blow past the tax, but by then they'll have restocked their farm system and done whatever. And it, it's a very interesting like plan that you can see in action. Like you don't know exactly how it's going to work, but you can tell that's kind of what they're thinking right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think uh, next year's off season obviously is going to be you know a really interesting one to watch and and feel. You know, you just never know what he's thinking. You know, he's always kind of a step ahead of all of us. So how he plays it out and what he wants to do. I mean, we're going to see. You know, what kind of year Addison Russell has. You know, he was obviously injured last year and that really kind of set him back a little bit. But you know, a lot of times he was you know, in the same breath with a lot of the other great young shortstops around, around his uh, age, you know. So I, I don't, you know, when you talk about Machado, you know, we're, we're you know, boy, that'd be nice, but you talk, you know, and God knows what Bryce Harper's going to get. Are we talking 300 $400 million? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know what, like I said, if Theo wants to go that route or if he's comfortable with the core that he has. Yeah. Could it be Before the game, uh, Anthony Rizzo said a few things about Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and, of course, the tragedy that happened in February. Uh, You've seen the kids march in D.C. and in their hometowns and in various cities across the country because, like, these are things that, honestly, like, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent, like, it shouldn't happen in our schools, man. 
and he he said a lot of very interesting things that he didn't say the last time he like uh, went back to Parkland after the shoot right after the shootings during spring training. The key was more measured, but now I feel like he's uh, Anthony Rizzo. That is has decided. You know what? I'm going to take a stand with these kids. I've seen what they they they're doing. I support them and. Now I feel like I should take a stand as well, and this is where I stand. You know, and it's it's not only Rizzo, too. I, I've heard Joe Madden kind of be a little bit more vocal about the issue. Yeah. You know, it's 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 an interesting uh, divide to kind of look through just because, you know, you have a lot of players that come from southern towns where gun culture is just kind of more the norm. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of guys from Florida or Texas or Nevada or wherever where, where, you know, and if you grew up in, you know, kind of the northern part of the country, gun culture isn't as big. So I think the thing that really bothered him, too, though, is is that, you know, we can all debate, you know, gun laws and whatnot. But I think kind of the negative tone that things have taken towards the kids that have been leading this and kind of – I know there was a situation the other day where a talk show host was kind of making fun of one of the students for not getting into colleges and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I think I think that that's kind of gotten that's crossed the line a little bit in my opinion, and I think that that's where Rizzo's kind of sticking up and saying, "Hey, you know, we can we can disagree over what can and should be done, but these are kids that went a went through something extremely traumatic and b are yeah. trying to do something." You know, and 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 to to sit there and insult them, you know, I just I, I know that we all don't agree on everything, but I think we can agree that these are kids that are trying to do what they feel is in their best interest. Yeah, and uh, I interested in that as well because, like before, you know, they they obviously wanted to say something. Both Joe Madden and Anthony Rizzo, they obviously wanted to say something, but I felt like because of the stick to sports crowd and not wanting to piss off too many people, they, they were, were trying to measure their tone. They were trying to be more diplomatic, but now I, I think, you know, after Theo essentially, he made a few comments, like I can't remember them verbatim, but I felt like he was actually encouraging them to be a little bit more vocal and to speak their minds uh, in a way that, you know, it would push their personal agenda, but not in a way that would be detrimental to the, the club. You know what I'm saying? To a degree, yeah. And, and, and for me, I've always had a hard time. I think a lot of people have understanding Joe's politics. Yeah. And I think that Joe doesn't really fall on any kind of spectrum in a real easy way. I think he's more complex than that. Yeah. So, you know, with Rizzo, you know, that to me is really interesting because, again, now that the tragedy had actually touched him personally, you know, this is his school. These were, you know, a security guard that died knew him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that just kind of just has a deeper effect. But it's just, like I said, it's tough because I know, you know, so many major league baseball players that are, you know, hunters, you know, uh, guys that, that that do like to shoot guns and stuff like that. And so that's kind of, you know, you got to kind of be careful with that and how you bring it into the locker room too. Sometimes you don't want to cause divisions, but I think, you know, not only was Rizzo touched by it, but also KB, you know, Bryant with the tragedy in Vegas, 
that, you know, has kind of almost been kind of forgotten a little bit, but that was his hometown where he had to, where that horrible shooting took place at the country concert. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, boy, it's, it's not easy, you know, but, uh, these guys kind of have a platform and how they're going to use it. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And, uh, Rizzo of course won the Roberto Clemente award last season for his humanitarian efforts. Like, uh, there was some question as to whether a player can win it two years in a row or even twice in his lifetime. And I don't see why not. Like, considering he's raised millions of dollars for pediatric cancer research, he also uh, tweeted earlier today that the efforts this weekend and, I guess, all this spring, he's raised about $300,000 through his foundation to benefit the victims of Parkland. So that's a an incredible amount of generosity and exposure and, you know, help that he was able to generate towards his community. And I feel like that's commendable. I believe that they're going to be giving the check um, tomorrow. Uh, of the, there was a big charity drive that he did with uh, Fanatics. Uh, Fanatics is a big sports memorabilia company, and they just had some amazing, you know, it was out of my price range, but uh, boy, you could bid on some amazing uh, memorabilia opportunities. There was a, uh, I was trying to see, it was a guitar lesson with Eddie Vedder and right, you know, and hang out with him right before the concert. I forgot what that was going for. It was an unbelievable, ungodly sum of money, but, uh, you know, it's, it, he, he's, he's working what off. And he's worked with um, fanatics and, and all the fanatics athletes and different sports figures and movie stars to really uh, give people an opportunity to bid on these items and the money going to the survivors. So, you know, to the victims fund and everything like that. So that I believe that's tomorrow that they're going to be that Rizzo is going to present that check on the field. That sounds great, and I believe uh, there's also four uh, Parkland residents going to throw out pitches, uh, first pitches, and this isn't just the Cubs and Rizzo doing it. This is the Marlins, and the Marlins, as much crap as we've given them, they are doing uh, a really good thing uh, in you know, supporting the Parkland community. Like Essentially, Parkland, I guess, is a suburb of the Miami metropolitan area. So it seems right that they're doing this as well. So they, they should get a little bit of credit for that. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it, just, it worked out. So, you know, I want to say like, you know, when you take a look at it, you know, it was a tragedy, but the fact that, you know, you have a guy that went to high school there in Rizzo facing the Marlins in the very first series, it just kind of, just kind of a little bit of a, uh, it, it just worked out so well that, Every you know, both the teams are just kind of working together to kind of help through this tragedy. Yeah. The beauty and the history in this cathedral. The sky so blue against the grass, so green, like time stood still forever. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the pace of today's game. Uh, it. I believe it was over three hours, but it didn't seem that long, right? Because there weren't that many mound visits, and the game kind of moved along at a pretty good pace. I think the only reason why it was so long is because so many runs were scored. 
Right, and um, I, I did put some pictures on my Twitter today of uh, on the scoreboard on both the left side and right side. Mm-hmm. They, I, I don't know if the Cubs are planning on doing this, but they had that um, markers for the mound visits, so they were keeping track on the scoreboard. Um, you know, when when you talk about pace of play, it I can tell you I go to a lot of Cubs games and I've seen a lot of of ball games. I don't have a problem with what. MLB is trying to do as far as speeding things up in that regard. You know, some people say, well, you know, baseball hasn't changed and there's no clock. Yeah, it has changed in the fact that, you know, when, when in the old days of baseball, you have one guy that pretty much finished the game, and if he couldn't, someone else took it, and they finished the game. You didn't have the righty-lefty, righty-lefty, and you didn't have the million mound visits and all this other stuff. And so I think, you know, by kind of trying to cut some of this out, as long as there's action, nobody cares about how long you're watching a game. I don't, at least. Yeah. But if I'm just sitting there watching people kind of have conversations, no offense, it's not the most uh, exciting thing in the world, you know. it's uh, It reminds me of the old Bull Durham scene where they're trying to figure out what to get the guy for his wedding, you know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the most exciting thing. I'm all about, you know, some of these pace of play changes and, and, and I think that all to me in my opinion it's just going to be better for the game yeah and I'm just looking at today like there were at least uh, three games that went to extras and they all ended no actually two of them ended on walk off one of them like there was a chance for the Padres to not completely suck and they did anyway so they lost to the Brewers, which is why the Cubs have to share the early season division lead with the Brewers. Boo. Uh, yeah. But there there were a couple of walk-offs, and it was pretty cool. Like, I, I feel like every every game that I checked into, like, you know, it, it was just com- kept on flowing. Like, there were plenty of hits all over the field. It wasn't just home runs, even though there were plenty of them, as, even in the Cubs game and also the White Sox game. Like, Matt Davidson hit three home runs and they were all pretty hard hit. So, you know, juice balls or not, that's pretty impressive. But yeah, all the, all the games seem to flow pretty well. Like, even though I'm pretty sure all of them went over three hours. Yeah. Like I said, when it, when it comes to baseball, I don't really care about how long I'm there. It's just keep it flowing, keep it moving, have some fun. You know, that, that, that's what it's about is, is, is the action on the field. Not not these, you know, like, and I love Wilson Contreras. He's one of my favorite players, but, I mean, oh, my God, that guy had so many mountain visits last, especially last season. Uh, you know, when you go to a game, and Kyle Hendricks is the best example I can think of now. I remember Greg Maddox. You know, it's fun seeing those guys take the ball and just throw and just, you know, get moving. You know, let's play some baseball. Yeah. Whereas if you go to a game, and I remember, boy, there was one season where I must have just caught every Edwin Jackson start. It was so boring or Steve Traxel starting you just go, oh. <laughs> the human it's just, it's rain fun. delay <laughs> right it's it's, yeah. it's not it's not as much fun man when you're just sitting here and these guys are taking their sweet time you know just take the ball throw the sign down throw it right and uh one of the reasons I bring this up is because if the the teams as a whole don't get their average game time under like three hours or maybe it's three hours and five minutes I'm pretty sure that MLB is going to shoehorn in a pitch clock at the at the highest level next year. So that's inevitable. But the other thing that I'm really, really scared of is that they might also throw in that, like, man on second and extras 
thing. Like, I don't think Major League Baseball needs that. Like, you might need that for Minor League Baseball so that, you know, you, you don't blow up in a, a reliever's arm because they have to throw five innings and in the 18th inning on. But, yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense uh, for a developmental standpoint to extend their arms that way. But at the major league level, like they're already at the highest level, they should be able to get out of that themselves. So I, I feel like as long as it never comes to major league, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, that's really what you're talking about is that I don't I don't see the runner on second. I think a lot of times what you're hearing is spitballing. People are just throwing ideas out there. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when we hear them, we all kind of get panicky about it. But, you know, I don't. I don't know, stranger things have happened, but I don't see that really kind of, that really doesn't happen to be part of the game. You know, like I said, when you take a look at the, the history of the game, like I said, there there was like, if you go in the back, there was no the lefty righty matchups and, you know, making all these mound visits that just didn't happen in the past as much like it is now. Whereas if you're talking about putting a runner on second and extras, that's completely changing the complexion of the game. Mm-hmm. That was never part of the game, and in, in, in my opinion, it never should be. Okay. Speaking of a thing that wasn't part of the game but then became a part of the game, uh, John Lester essentially ended a couple of really promising Cubs rallies that could have blown the game wide open. What? How do you feel about the DH in the National League eventually? Well, you know, in my opinion, when you talk about the DH, you're you're now talking. What I don't like is the, the two sets of rules. You mm-hmm. know, if you're if if we're gonna play, then then pick one. I, that's the only thing I have an issue with. Is you know, boy, I I really started to think about how nice it would be to have a DH when you see this current Cubs team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could have Kyle Schwarber as a DH, you know, then all of a sudden I was like, wow, that's amazing. But, you know, to me, there's just – it's just not really fair that, you know, if you think about it, when you talk about a DH in the NL, most of the time it's your best, you know, guy off the bench, you know. Mm-hmm. And whereas when when you're talking about an American League team, it, it, it's, a, it's a big part of your uh, – big part of your lineup. So it just – there's just an inequity because – it, to me, it just makes the American League. The American Leagues have a, a naturally stronger lineup because they have that DH. That's a big. That's a guy that's supposed to be a big run producer. Whereas in the NL, you know, you don't have that. That's one less guy you have. So whatever rules they play by, you know, I think there's more strategy obviously in the NL and not having the DH. And so managers, I think, just have to think a lot more. You know, okay, uh, this guy's coming up. Is he gonna? Am I gonna try to keep him? You know, am I gonna pinch hit for him, or do I need him to go a couple more innings? You know, how you decide your bullpen, all that stuff is uh, is a bigger deal. So I think to me, I like not having the DH, but at the same time, boy, uh, you know. If all of a sudden, you know, we I think the Cubs have been lucky that we haven't had anyone get injured on the base pass as far as pitchers are concerned. Or uh, who was it last year? I think it was for Milwaukee that dove into the base and, and separated his shoulder or had to have shoulder issues, you know. that's. I think that's Jimmy Nelson, and he's still yeah, out. Yeah, Jimmy Nelson, yeah. Yeah, still out. Yep. So, so the so, Brewers are shorthanded to start the season? Yeah, you know, so we've never, as Cub fans, really had to face that that I can remember too much. So, uh, you know, I think in the end, like I said, I can go either way. I like the strategy of the NL, 
But if you're going to tell me that the AL or the union is not going to um, have the DH in the National League, I'd rather they just play by the same set of rules. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you brought up the Milwaukee pitchers because in addition to Nelson, like I think Chase Anderson started today. He apparently had like the flu or something, but he toughed through it. And he did score a run, but he had a pretty nasty face plant at home plate. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of dangerous for a pitcher who normally doesn't get on base. And when he gets on base, he's kind of awkward. And that, you know, like we keep telling the kids in high school, like, you know, we'd love to play on varsity, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get hurt. And that kind of does happen sometimes to even the pros. And, yeah, kind of almost sucked for them, but he, thankful he was okay. But, uh, yeah, you hear about, you know, uh, pitchers maybe straining an oblique because they swung too hard or they uh, turn their ankle stepping on a base rung or something like that, or they pull a hamstring. It's really kind of ridiculous uh, how easily they get hurt. But with baseball, like you're standing around for long periods of time, you're tense because you're waiting for the ball and it kind of makes sense that they would uh, potentially pull something if they're not too careful. And what happens, you know, last year, if uh, Jimmy Nelson doesn't get injured, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Milwaukee last year especially was not a team that had depth, you know? So when Nelson went down, they really just didn't have anybody that could step up and take his place. And, and you saw the Cubs able to lap him. So, you know, like I said, it worked out in the Cubs' favor, but it can always come back to bite you too. Yeah. Through the good times and the bad times, we stood beside you every day. Till now our dreams have gone on So I know you probably want to go back to getting drunk and enjoying your day at the beach tomorrow, so I'm going to let you go. But uh, thanks so much again for taking the time to talk to us about Miami and the Marlins game and, you know, their ballpark and your experiences. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can find Paul, a.k.a. Crawley, on Twitter at his uh, handle. At Crawley Cubs. We're also on uh, Instagram, Crawley's Clubhouse. So, yeah, we definitely always appreciate people stopping by. And there's always uh, – you know, we try to keep things interesting and funny and humorous and, you know, same old, same old. You know, you can never get too much Cubs talk. Yep, indeed. And, uh, yeah, you can find us at WorldSeriesDreaming.com. Uh, our official Twitter is WSDreaming underscore Cubs. I'm at CubicSnarconia. And we would really appreciate ratings of our podcast on iTunes. Like, you know, we're not big or anything. This is more of a hobby, but, you know. The more people that listen, the more it makes sense to keep on doing this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that that would be really cool. Uh, you know, an occasional email to us at WorldSeriesDreaming at gmail.com would be great as well. And we'd like to thank Randall Sanders for the final outcall and Rich Deanna for our theme song. Uh, any last words from you, Mr. Crowley? You know, guys, it, I think it's going to be a really fun season, you know, or <laughs> sometimes we, we get so we're waiting for baseball for so long that we kind of get a little wound up. I know I was a little wound up today, but in general, let's just have fun with this and see where it goes. And remember that right now we're living in what I would consider the Cubs golden age. So let's have yeah. some fun with it. Yep. We're one and oh on pace for one sixty two and oh, so let's keep going, man. Everybody in. <laughs>
Thanks a lot for having me on. I always love talking to you guys. Thank you again. You have a good night, and everybody else, thanks for listening. Go Cubs. It was more than just a game.